Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. So I want to start off by reading to you here from Galatians and then jump back to Genesis with you and show you some stuff that might help you. Now, these folks he's writing to, they were a little more um, familiar with the Old Testament scripture, so they didn't really need the whole walk through those verses. They already knew about them from Paul. So Paul's just going to refer to them. And let me show you what he says. He says, I'm perplexed about you guys. Verse 21, Galatians chapter 4, he says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? It says, for it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman and one by a free woman. Now, the sons of the bondwoman was according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman was according to the promise. Now, this is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants that are proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. That one is from Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah. And so Sarah says, hey, honey, you know, I ain't getting any younger and neither are you. So let's help God out. You're 85. By the way, she was 10 years younger. She's 75. And she says, you know, we're not really having any kids. So here's my maidservant, Hagar. You go into her. When she gives birth, I'll catch the baby and I'll raise him as our son. Like, symbolically, he'll be our kid. Let's help the Lord out. Because he really isn't getting to the whole thing if we're going to have all the land be ours. And I can just see him going, honey, the Lord told me. And she's going, honey, you're getting old and senile. Here, let's help God out. Now, this is where the two covenants come from that Paul is referring to. The first one is going to be a covenant where it's not the covenant that is a covenant of promise that God promised. It's a covenant of the flesh, what Paul refers to as the efforts of the flesh. And they had a child, Ishmael. And at this point, Abram is 86 years old. And it says in the scripture that he was actually going to be a, a, a wild sort of a man, and he was going to cause trouble. The Lord prophesied, even told about his character. Well, by the time you get to chapter 17, he's now 99 years old. Another 13 years, boom, just between chapters. I find this really interesting. 13 more years go by. Ishmael is now 13 years old. They would have had a bar mitzvah for him, right? It's a bar mitzvah time. He's a young man. And Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will establish my covenant between you and me. And I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and, and God talked to him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. And no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. Which is, instead of exalted fathers, a father of many. And I will make you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, and throughout all their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you in the land of your sojournings, the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Then God said further to Abram, verse 9, Abraham now, 
Now, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you sh- your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male amongst you shall be circumcised and shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. This will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. This covenant, they didn't have to split the animals and say, you're going to die if you break it. This one, they cut off a piece of the foreskin and they said, okay, this is the sign that you're going to be mine. Now, at the end of this chapter, it says that Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old, and he was also circumcised with his dad. And all of the men of Abram's house that were born to him or that were bought with money or foreigners, everyone that hung out around Abram, guess what? We're having a party, guys. We're having a boy. And I look at this. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Then God said to Abraham, verse 15, as for your wife, Sarai, not Sarah, Sarai was her name at this point. He says, Sarai is like Hebrew noble woman. He says, you won't call her Sarai anymore. You'll call her Sarah. Okay. She's going to have her name changed to like princess. Okay. It's a beautiful name in Hebrew. So I will bless her. And indeed, I will give her a son by her. Now he's 99. She's 89. Hey, Sarah, guess what God just told me? Okay, so I, I'm just going to read it to you. There's just let me, it's, it's too good not to. It says, I will bless her, verse 16, and indeed I will give you a son by her, and then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and peoples shall come forth from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now he's laughing. Okay, and Abraham said to the Lord, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God, what about just let's just use Ishmael. What's the problem here? We got a kid. What was God's response, by the way? Was Ishmael acceptable? Wrong bloodline. Sorry. But God said to him, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him. I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall become a father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. When he had finished talking, With him, God went up from Abraham, and and Abraham took Ishmael and all of the guys, and that's when he had them all be circumcised. Now, skip ahead to chapter 18. Abram's got to go tell Sarah now. The Lord said, we're going to have a kid. Circumcision might have done something here. I don't know. But Abraham says to Sarah, I know we're old, and you're past childbearing, Sarah. But the Lord said, we're going to have a kid. And she laughed. Remember? And as the Lord was speaking, she was in the tent. Where's uh, where's your wife? The, the Lord had a, a visitor come in. I'm not going to tell you about the visitor. That's a whole other shadow in time. But the visitor says, you're going to have the kid. And just re- reaffirming. And she's in the tent. Now, what's she doing? She's laughing like, sure, right. And verse 12 says, and after 
<laughs> After I become old, I'm 90 years old, I'm going to have pleasure with my Lord. And be, him being old also, I mean, he's 100. Come on. And we're going to have kids. And the Lord said to Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? Shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? And the Lord said, is anything too difficult for me? Now, if you haven't highlighted this verse, you need to. You know, the first line of verse 14 of Genesis 18 says, is anything too difficult for Is this too difficult for the Lord to have a 100-year-old guy and a 90-year-old gal have a baby? Does God go, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I'm only the creator of the universe. I'm only the author of everyone's salvation. I'm only the one that made everything in six. I don't know if we can get an old guy and an old girl to have a baby. Is this really hard for the Lord? No. And then it says, At the appointed time I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah, it says, denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she, she was afraid. And he said to her, Yes, you did. It's a tent. It's not a building. You can hear through the walls. They heard her laughing. You did too. But the Lord had him to name this kid. That they would, by the way, a year later, you guys know this Reader's Digest, got to hurry to the point now. Did they have a kid? Yes. They named him Isaac, which if you know Hebrew is even funnier because Isaac means he laughs. He, like God, got the last laugh. He said, name the kid Isaac. Uh, you, you laugh right now, but I'm going to get the last laugh. This kid is... Uh, Laughter. He laughs at you. Like God just goes, I'm going to. You know, when people say God doesn't have a sense of humor, I said, you just, you don't read the same book I do. Because I'm cracking up thinking, Lord, you are just having fun with these guys. 190 years old. And then you tell him, name the kid. You get the last laugh. And so they have him. By the way, after they have him, it says that a, an enmity developed between Hagar with her son Ishmael they started to feel a little insecurity because now there's another boy, the boy that was actually born to, not to the maidservant, but to the actual woman of the house. So who does inheritance go to in that culture? If you have these two boys, one from a maidservant and the dad and one that is the real mom and dad, who's going to get all the inheritance? The one from the real mom and dad, Isaac. And it says, and because of this, Ishmael began to pick on his little brother, Isaac, and, and Hagar began to have enmity with Sarah. Until finally, Sarah will say, send them away. They've caused us so much trouble. And Abraham will eventually do so. And there will become an enmity between them. Even to this day, the descendants of Ishmael are still fighting against the descendants of Isaac. That's, by the way, where we get all of these guys, the Syrians and the, the groups of ISIS, they're all picking on Israel. If you want to do a little who's who in the zoo, trace the, the lineages, you'll find out they all trace back to these two guys, to Isaac and to Ishmael, the descendants. But there was one born of a promise from God, one born out of the efforts of the flesh. And Paul, knowing all of this, he says to the church at Galatia, I wish I could be present with you guys because I want to know something. How come you guys want to be under the law? Why do you guys want to go back to this situation where 
you are allegorically, he said there's two women what proceeded from Abraham. One of promise, one born of the flesh. And the one that was born of the flesh, she proceeds from Mount Sinai. And her children are those who are slaves. She is Hagar. And this Mount Sinai, verse 25 of Galatians 4 says, it corresponds to present-day Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But there is a Jerusalem, Paul says, which is from above. And that Jerusalem, is the, that's the one of the promise. She is our mother, Paul says. Rejoice, it is written. Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout who are not in labor, for more are the children of the desolate than the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But as it is at that time, he who, who is born according to the flesh persecuted him who is born according to the Spirit. So it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast off the bondwoman and her son. That's what Abraham you know, and Sarah had to come to. Like, okay, put her aside. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of a free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but we are children of the free woman. Now, last week's study was the beginning of this chapter where it says we have now all become heirs, heirs of God in Christ. We're going to get an inheritance. But our inheritance doesn't come through Ishmael. Our inheritance comes through Isaac, through a promise what God made and delivered on, by the way. And because of that, Paul says, I'm perplexed. Why are you guys going back to the things of bondage? Christians never do this, do they? They start off in the spirit, and then all of a sudden they go back to the bonds, right? How many of you can give an amen that this really does happen? Amen? It's a sad thing, but true. And Paul is going to tell them, verse 1 of Galatians 5, he says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. And do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. How easy it is for us to slip back to things what we were enslaved to. You know, when it says when Christ set us free from our sin, he breaks the bonds, the fetters, the chains that shackle us in the things what we struggle with. When you become a Christian, it's one of the most liberating things because you may have been trapped in a, maybe you were, you were a, got like the addictive personality like me, you know, not too hard to get caught in a vice, some vice that it just easy for you to repeat over and over. And the Lord comes into your life and says, let me free you from that. You know, but you could be whatever, drugs, drinking, whatever it is. I'm going to free you. I'm going to break that bondage. But I've been doing this now almost 35 years as a Christian, actually a little over. It is funny to me to see people that I had the privilege to introduce to faith in Jesus 30 years ago, and I hear about them today, and they've decided to go back to the things they once participated in three decades ago. They were freed from these things. They quit using the drugs. They quit drinking. They quit having those problems, and the Lord set them free. And somehow, the enemy... Just, he's subtle. 
He like reintroduced the pornography. It just showed up on the an email or it, it popped up on an ad or something. And all of a sudden, the guy who was freed from all those addictions is telling me, Pastor, you got to pray for me. And my marriage is falling apart. My wife caught me and I was looking on the thing. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. You're the guy that had that testimony, how God delivered you from the craziness of all that. And he's like, yeah. It is so easy for our flesh to go back. I hate to tell you this part, but you know the story when Moses led the people out of Egypt? They were slaves. But as soon as he gets them out of Egypt, into the promised land where they're safe, where Pharaoh can't touch them, he already drowned Pharaoh's whole army in the sea. As soon as they get done celebrating, they get over to Ai, they, they get there, and all of a sudden they look at the walls of Jericho, and they went, you brought us here to die. There's no food. There's no water to drink. And they started complaining. It was better in Egypt. Leek soup. Oh, I missed the leek soup. Leek soup. Give me a break. You know what leeks are, right? Oversized green onions. The sad part is, guys, in the spiritual realm, after the Lord delivers people from their bondage, there's a strange part of our human nature that says, you know, we were comfortable in bondage. It wasn't good for them to be slaves. You know, they've all forgotten about the mud and the bricks and the, all the beatings and everything. And they're going, it was better with leek soup. Sorry, you that love it. I'd be like, forget you. Because when they got into the promised land, the Lord fed them with quail. He took care of them. And they're going, it was better back there. I listen to some people talk about their their experience before they were Christians. They're like, oh, my B.C. days before Christ, my B.C. days. Back then, man, I was a real, you know, hipster. I was a partier. We had so much fun. And it's like somehow the devil has made them forget all the hangovers, all the barfing, passing out and hitting their head and the bruises and the trip to the hospital and the stupid stuff. It's like they glorify those days as those party days were great. And I'm like, you're deceived. What's great is being able to party without having to be hungover. To be a Christian and have the joy of the Lord and his peace in your heart. And not have to try to get blitz so you forget all the pain of your week or the bills or the pressures and you just have to bury yourself with alcohol and numb yourself out with drugs. It's nice to have a God who if I got a problem, I can say, here's my problem. I give you my problem. Cast how many burdens it says on the Lord? All. I can just hand them over to him and he trades me my burdens for his yoke. Do you guys know that? Jesus said that. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your soul. He says, you give me your problems, I'll give you rest. You give me all those things you're worried about, all those cares, I'll give you my yoke. The yoke was the thing they steered the oxen with. It was, I'll give you my steering. I'll direct you. I'll trade you my direction through this course of life for all your problems. Anyone want to trade? Is that a good trade, by the way? We give him our problems, and he gives us his direction. I'm like, how can you lose with that? But to think, oh, it was better back then. You are foolish. Somebody deceived you. But it's our human nature. And by the way, if you've ever taught that, you're in good company. 
The whole church at Galatia was doing the same thing spiritually. It was better back then. We should go back under the law. Yeah, yeah. Paul says, I wish I was with you. It was for a freedom that Christ set you free. Not so you'd go back, but so you could go forward. We really want to herald that message that Christ came to set us free from this stuff. Because there's some people really struggling that are in bondage even right now in our society to things, and they don't know the freedom that comes from Jesus. It truly is freeing for our spirits to know what Christ accomplished for us. The promise is what he did. It's allegorically like the promise of Isaac toward us. And it's not in the things of the flesh. It'll be the things of the spirit that will set us free in that freedom. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we have your scriptures to testify of your son. We have your scriptures to point us toward him and his work. And as we get ready to leave this place, Father, I pray we would learn from the letter to the church of Galatia that you want us to continue in the things of your spirit, not in the flesh, not to try to do works of the flesh, but just to honor you and see you work. We thank you, Lord, that you'd even give us whales to be in the background today. As we gather in this place, Lord, we're so grateful we have the freedoms in our country to study the Scripture right out in the open. Lord, for as long as we're allowed to, let us continue to point people to you, to see them encouraged in their faith. And we pray for the ones that would pass by, that they would, they would hear these things and be drawn to you. And For all those, Lords that we, we care about, we want to come to know you. That they, they would have people around them to show them your love, your grace, your mercy. Fill us with your love and grace. As we go from here, Lord, we celebrate you and what you've done. We ask you to just lead us now and guide us in the power of your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone that agree with me said, Amen. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Thank you.